0: Blob Talk Radio. for a little bit of race. Time to get groovy. We got Pat Taylor here as well. Our executive producer, Ms. Lee Reed. Our CEO in charge, the man with the plan, Mr. CJ Sports. It's the one in nation sports. Race Chat Live. All right, all right, fans. How the hell y'all doing? It's another Tuesday night. That means it's another episode of Race Chat Live. Glad to have y'all on board with us. We're going to go through a whole lot of nonsense and a whole lot of news uh, in the next hour and 20 minutes. Glad to have uh, my... My co-host, Ed he's ready to jump on the mic here. Uh, But, of course, we've got to start out with my daily rant. Now I want to bring something to attention, and we'll talk about it. Uh, But uh, so, you know, so many times we believe that, um, you know, it's an entertainment factor or whatnot. Look, I'm just going to lay it on the line. There's a lot of people that were upset with the way uh, that this clash has been handled. And and give it right, you know. Empty seats normally mean that it's a bad show. But all I've heard all week long is how bad the show was or whatnot. Well, guys, what was, may not have been the greatest to be there for was actually really good on TV. And I think that there's sometimes there's that line that has to be drawn of what may not be a good spectator or spectacle doesn't necessarily give you the same return that it gives you from being – at your living room, watching a race. I understand that Fox probably didn't do a great job uh, keeping an eye on the field. There was several times throughout the race, I felt like they could have uh, done more than just a two-car tandem, especially when you had a quarter-mile racetrack. But to hear the last several days of how the how the the race stunk and it was just a, um, a spectacle, it wasn't a real race, really slaps the space of our local uh, tracks uh, throughout the nation that typically only have 22 cars show up uh, for a main event on a quarter-mile racetrack. Uh, why these guys felt like there was such a hard uh, stance or, it's, you know, it wasn't as good of a show because of the track size of the track that they were on or anything to that, I beg to differ. Um, I felt like that all in all, it was a really cool race. It was very nice to finally have a short track race that was watchable, like i 've been waiting on the wing for the last two years with this new car to see a good short track race, and I feel like we might have found something here, be it that we've had half the less we had half of the cars on the race, right be it that it 's a quarter mile, not a half mile. There's a lot of factors in this, but all in all, when we when we can say the, the, you know, what's said and done, we've seen tires being smoked and guys still making it through a corner. That's the testament of what this car is capable of doing and the show that it's capable of putting on. Typically, in any kind of race situation, when you smoke that left front, uh, you're not going to be able to gain control of that car, and you're probably going to put it in the wall. Be it that it was low speed and be it that this car is built the way that it is, I felt like that there was a little bit of a, a cheater's graph there. Uh, Benny Hamler obviously smoked his tires quite a few times, and it did not affect the way that the car was able to plan itself. So hopefully, when we go to one of these half-mile racetracks, we will get back our short track experience that uh, I believe most of us uh feel that we're, you know, entitled to. Um, because obviously, in the last generation car, um it was kind of a swift swap. Like, all of our mile-and-a-half speedways sucked. Uh, but Go to Talladega, or you go to a short track, and it's a great package. Now that the new cars come in, it's kind of been flipped the script, and we're trying to still figure out uh, 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 super speedway racing. Uh, We've got this little deal in with Atlanta uh, being kind of in limbo. Is it a super speedway or not? Uh, But all in all, the short track package has been absolutely terrible. So if anything tonight that we can agree on, hopefully it will be, that we are headed in the right direction with the short track package. Now, this does not uh, give the fact that L.A. was basically a free event and we couldn't get but those few people into the stands. Um, Be it the race was unprecedented, Uh, most people were going to be coming in from out of town the next day or that evening. So we don't really know what could have occurred and what I believe is to be our very last race at the Coliseum. Now, without further ado, I'll bring in my co-host, uh, Mr. Tad-freaking-Tasmanian-Devil-Taylor. And, uh, sir, how are you? Glad to have you here tonight.
1: Oh, Chris, it's Tuesday, and he, hey, I got my referee shirt buttoned up. Uh, I'm feeling amazing to go. going down at the L- Coliseum. Yeah, the LA Coliseum, you know, the main event. We got one corner, the JGR driver, the number 54. They call him Gibby, Ty Gibbs, Mr. Sophomore Sensation. And then you got in the other corner, Mr. Veteran, out of the Penske Racing Camp, number 22, Joey Giggles Logano. They're going to have at it. Mm. Logano's whining and crying because he pushes people up the racetrack and he doesn't like it when it's turned and Gibby gave him the – nose and said screw you this is how i'm running you run me this way i'll run you back oh boy what a main event that little showdown was and sadly it happened off the air yes that's what you
0: know we go back to even as great of a show as it was on the tv there was so much that was missed along with the confrontations there wasn't just the ty logano uh uh situation there was also something going on between Stenhouse and another driver and also Ross Chastain i believe uh his i don't give a darn at uh, uh tour uh continues uh forward um obviously he uh, had gotten into a scuffle himself along with i Tyler Reddick pushing wrecking his own teammate maybe Bubba Wallace Giggles um so um yeah definitely uh we, we have a lot to uh, uh, to talk about here tonight hey, because of all the action that was a part of that race.
1: You know, one thing's for sure though, he beat What's our favorite been? drivers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about how that led up to, right? Because obviously, we were supposed to race on Sunday. NASCAR did something unprecedented, Taz Taylor. I've called it before saying, why the hell don't we go ahead and run the race today when we know that there's rain tomorrow? And they've always said, impossible. It'll never happen. There's no way the logistics will work, uh, plus the amount of money that NASCAR would lose. Look, NASCAR is going to lose money, right, in this race. They were going to lose money one way or the other. So what do you do? Do you stick around three days and pay for hotel rooms and uh, uh, the crew sticks around and then you know everybody's late for the uh, – uh, to, to to get back to the shops on a week where we're building up to the Daytona 500, you know I believe that NASCAR unprecedentedly made the right call. Um, we could still be, I think, in California tonight, waiting till tomorrow uh, to race this race. If even tomorrow uh, we would be able to get it in. So um, based off the fact has Taylor that NASCAR was probably going to have to cancel the event. Where do you stand on the unprecedented call to go ahead and run this race on Saturday night?
1: So I feel like NASCAR was put, either way NASCAR was put in a lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. They had to, they had to react with what was going on. Um, they. I mean, if you think about it a few months ago, or I should really say a month ago, um, they said that, that with this being a Saturday and Sunday event, they said Saturday would be no fans allowed, and Sunday would be, you know, the regular scheduled program with fans paying for tickets, this, that, blah, blah, blah. Well, NASCAR fans, fans ranted, and then um, I want to say it was a combination of NASCAR plus the combination of the LA Coliseum getting involved. Um they pretty much said, look, the fans are not happy. They're missing out on a day of racing. They want it. We got to give it to them. So NASCAR responded saying, all right, Saturday is free and open to the public. We're letting fans in. So already right there, they're going to take a hit financially. Um, and then fast forward to this weekend, they were put on the spot of Dealing with rain. I mean, it's no surprise. NASCAR season, dealing with <laughs> mother. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, they were dealt with rain showers and storms that were obviously not in their control. Welcome to NASCAR. Welcome to racing season. Because you always have to play the game with Mother Nature. Um, hey, hey so, if you
0: have a drought in your area, Taz Taylor, if you have a drought in your area, the best thing to do is What? Book a NASCAR event. Water?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Go to... <laughs> yeah, water. <laughs> Grab any water you can. Anyway, um, they... So NASCAR was basically put in a situation of we run with what we can with the, the small little dry patch window we have or we waste everybody's time with all this. And you know in NASCAR's power, they can't sit there and say, well... Our teams and drivers, um, they put in the time and the effort to not only, in the money to not only come out here, but to put on something for the fans. I mean, especially when it's free, Saturday was free admission day anyway. Um, so NASCAR was basically put in a situation of, do we run the run with the small window we have? Um, do we also pretty much give the boot to Mexico Series because they're going out of their way and coming here? Or or do we cancel everything because Sunday, Monday, and I think Tuesday, tonight, weather-wise, was not looking good for them at all? And you can only do so much. Um, so I think NASCAR was put in a very tough situation and yes it was unprecedented but i honestly believe they made the right call they had to do something they had to react and they were only basically given one option i know everybody says they were given two options they could have canceled honestly no they couldn't have because again you you have have to favor your race you have to favor you have to favor your race teams and drivers and also the Mexico Series teams and drivers um, that took the time, the money, and effort to get to the Coliseum and put their cars on track. Um, you, you, also right. have to, um, you also have to appease the fans because you did advertise free public admission on Saturday because the fans spoke up when NASCAR said no fans allowed originally.
0: Yeah, imagine the joke that would have been where they didn't have anybody, and then then all of a sudden they would have to uh, come back and say, well, you know, we're going to race you guys. You know, thank goodness uh, NASCAR made that call early uh, to go ahead and allow fans in for free. Um, It seems to be that this plan was rushed, rushed, but in the end,
1: Taz Taylor, it seems to be that it was the right plan. They had to. It, I mean, like I said, it was a, They were going to lose something regardless anyway, and they know and NASCAR and I'm pretty sure NASCAR knows that regardless of whatever happened, they were going to lose out financially, one way or another. And I think they would rather take the smaller financial hit of. Fans not coming in for Sunday, which basically um, refund your tickets there. Um, I, I mean, look at it from this point. Would you rather take the hit in ratings? Would you rather take the hit in fans buying tickets and souvenirs and such? Or would you rather take the hit financially of race teams and drivers to go after you? Like, hey, we came all the way out here. We... Spent our team budget money in this net, to and you're going to screw us over. As they're as going to take Taylor. a smaller hit.
0: Right. What are they arguing about right now? What is, What is the holdup on the new deal? The holdup on the new deal is because of TV money, and they want more of it. As much as it's important to have fans in their stands, that's not what keeps racing alive tv money is what keeps racing alive every other racing sport outside of nascar struggles to pay the bills because they don't get a billion dollar tv contract deal every single 10 years right they don't they they don't get a billion dollars every year from tv networks so it was most important to not lose your fan revenue track revenue and your TV revenue. So they did exactly what they had to do in order to make sure that those teams got a check cut for them coming out there. And and one thing that sucks more than anything, Taz Taylor, is we only got qualifying for some of these guys. They were never given a chance. I don't know why NASCAR didn't just decide to go throw in a 30-lap non-qualifier, Yeah, you know, uh, take two cars from non qualifiers or something like that, and you know, just race those other thirteen cars in a thirty laps uh, showdown. I don't know why they didn't decide to do that. I'm sure that they were pressed for time. But even at the beginning, I think of the Mexico series. We were- it's it's, it's eight thirty L A time, and that's still fairly early for West Coast people.
1: Yes, but you also have to you have you have to think of it this way too. You have to kind of appease. Um, the East Coast side, but at the same time, how much of a, of a dry window did they have? You know what I mean? Right. So, um, did they have really basically... I mean, you have to also think of the L.A. Coliseum. It's kind of like... if you, I know, Chris, you'll understand, but for fans that may not understand this, when you go to your typical weekly short track night. Um, uh, The best example I can come up with is Stafford Motor Speedway. Um, How they do it is when it comes, heat races, they don't really do it. They don't really worry about this part. It's the feature events. What they do is that for each division that's running their feature, they have their crews come out into the infield um, with limited supplies from their trailers. And once one division is done, not only are the drivers and cars coming off, but you got to take the c- crews off, too, so that the next division can put not only their cars and drivers, but also their pit crews as well. And the Coliseum, they have that deal. The cup drivers, the cup teams um, have to go out and switch because you can only fit so many cars on the track at one time. So when you have the Cup Series done with their main event, everything Cup Series-wise has to come out of the playing field. And when the Mexica- Mexico Series comes on, everything for the Mexico Series goes on to the playing field. So, and that's, let me, and that's let me play devil's advocate. Too. Yeah, definitely.
0: Let me play devil's advocate real quick, Taz, because I think that this is uh, an interesting subject that we have fallen upon. If you were given the choice before, the Mex- before you watched the Mexico Series race, would you have said, NASCAR, forget about the Mexico Series race. I want to make sure that I get last-chance qualifiers and heat races for the cup cars. How would you have voted, Tess? Would you have voted to watch the Mexico Series? I personally, if it, was your, would. if it was your call, if it was your call and you were basically given the choice, you can run Last Chance and Heat and the Cup cars, but we'll have to cancel the Mexico Series and or we just run this consolidated event and then we get the Mexico Series in as well. Before you watched that Mexico Series race, how would you have voted on that? Um,
1: for me personally, If I were to run it, I think I would have to include the Mexico Series into the equation because that's and that's a series that and here's the reason why because that is a series that not us typical American racing fans know about or have exposure to the Mexico Series. The Mexico Series. This is new waters. They're they're putting they're trying to expand their series while not while the cup series is trying to expand themselves out trying to grab new fans and stuff like that. Mexico series is doing the mm-hmm. same exact thing. This is a new market. This is a new fan base now because we're going into a completely different country, um, and it's also being broadcasted on American television, on Fox. Right. I mean, granted, Fox Sports too, but oh, so, I mean, it's a, it's a big thing. You have to include that in. And, and personally, for me, I would keep the Mexico series to run a, a consolidated program. Yeah, I may have yeah, to take I, the hit I'm on. Go, go ahead. Yeah, no. Go ahead. I'll sit here and take the hit. I'll take the hit on some of the drivers not being able to run the main event, but or do wow. a qualifying uh, heats and last, last chance qualifiers because. You, you have to – I'm trying to favor the Mexico Series. They're going out of their way. They have to do – they're here for their – trying to do the same thing that the Cubs Series is doing. I'm all here mm-hmm. for it.
0: As If I was the director and I had to make the call test, I would have chosen the names over the series. So I would have felt that it was more important to get the names of these drivers – that we did know track time versus the Mexico series. And Taz Taylor, I'm telling you right now, I would have been completely wrong. I would have been completely wrong. Because the um, the amount of excitement and the, the, the badass racing that we've seen from the Mexico series was everything that we had hoped that our little class would have been like. Those guys, they put on the better show. I'm sorry. Hands down, the Mexico series – put on a better show than the cup cars. And so I would have have never gotten to know that if I was the guy who made those decisions because I would have believed that it was more important to put the names of the cars, the stars of the cars, out onto the racetrack versus people nobody knew. In the end, we found out a couple of names that we're going to have to keep our eye on because those guys, uh, well, hopefully – Uh, figure a way or find a way to make it into the lower NASCAR series, which, you know, Suarez did not necessarily have that race won in the beginning and had uh, Garcia not ran into trouble. I'm just not sure if uh, Garcia didn't have enough to to keep uh, Suarez uh, from getting that victory. Now, it is bittersweet for Suarez, of course, because he did not make the main event over on the Cup Series side, so for him to come in and win the Mexico Series and show them boys that there's a reason why he's a Cup Series driver and not them, you know, it was fitting. But all in all, I would have completely expedited the experience of the Mexico Series in lure that I'm going to put the names that I know fans relate to. And honestly, Tess Taylor, it would have been the worst decision that I've ever made. So I'm glad that NASCAR – look, I've hammered, I come out the door hammering Jim France, and I, and I really believe what I believe, that he's, that he's outlived his uh, time of promoting uh, uh, NASCAR. I believe Ben Kennedy and Lisa Kennedy are better suited for bringing uh, NASCAR to the next level. For the fans that are coming up, you need a young mind to uh, intrigue the young fans. Uh, the decisions made this weekend—I don't know who made those decisions—but I'll stand behind every single one that they made because all in all, it was a good event. And the ratings, Taz Taylor, weren't that bad.
1: If see if if not only the Cup Series but the Mexico Series had a run, heats LCQ type deal. At that point, I would pretty much say, look, Mexico Series. I know you're trying to do the same thing that the Cup series is doing, however, um we have to give something to the fans, and unfortunately, for our market base, our television people, we have to do a full program for the cup series um if we like if I was in that point, I'd be like, right, we can work something out um like say in the future, like say next year, we'll guarantee we'll get you in, or say like um, say like maybe, and when we go to Phoenix for championship weekend, um, we'll put we'll put you guys in on the Phoenix racetrack, uh, to give you guys you know to make up for it, it that kind of thing, you know. I've but being that. Um, not both divisions had to both series had to run heats, LCQ, and all that. It worked out great with what NASCAR did. Um, so I think NASCAR made the right decision on doing a limited deal because they had to incorporate how do how can we please the Mexico series? Um, the whole series, teams, officials, and stuff like that, um, but also appease the Cup Series fans, teams, and staff, and stuff like that. Um, you, you had to look at it from that perspective, and that's how I personally would have looked at it. And I think NASCAR made the right decision. And we've all said this. This is all unprecedented. NASCAR was put in a lose-lose situation. They had to make it a they had to make a tough choice, and it was just basically of what's best for everybody involved, what's best for our fans, and what's best for the scenario we're dealt with. Right.
0: And, and look, nobody could have suspected coming out the door, we would have Logano versus Gibbs, Chastain versus Reddick, Stenhouse versus John Hunter Nemechek. These are feuds that did not just start this week, right? These are, these are ongoing feuds that you would have thought during the winter had, had the spark had, you know, burned out. But instead, of, no, they're still upset about things that happened last year, or maybe two years ago. And this is going to benefit the fans. The one thing that we've lacked over so long was rivalries, and now we may have multiple rivalries. We may have multiple drivers who literally – Ty Gibbs took no uh, 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 breather to basically throw Joey Logano under the bus and say, yeah, I mean, this is how we're going to race each other, and I'm, and I'm not, I'm not going to give in to this guy. Um, you know, it, it is kind of odd when you can choose to when you can admit that you wrecked purpose, somebody purposely. I, I'm still confused on how all that uh, will typically go down. Uh, but uh, the best thing to do for now is just deny it in your interviews. So um, I may have been a little bit cocky there in that interview um, after the race. But the sad thing is, is there was never, you know, uh, uh, this whole deal is to get uh, people involved in it. And then Fox cuts its cameras. Uh, just immediately after the race, with hardly any interviews. Um, with that being said, and the rivalries that have already heated up and it's already started, let's get back to where what what we are wanting next for the clash. Because I believe that the LA Coliseum is not going to renew uh, for for the next three years. I believe we're going to have to go somewhere different. Um, do you, of course, there was a poll given, I believe, by Kyle Bush actually created this poll, uh, where it basically showed like 60, it was four choices and 65% of the fans wanted to go back to Daytona for the clash. Now we've argued the fact that, you know, it's a good marketing strategy to open the season up in Daytona. Speed weeks is important. Let's hammer that down. Let's you know, get as much promotion going on about Daytona and the Daytona 500 coming up the week after the Super Bowl. Like, hey, you got a big event this week. It's called the Super Bowl where 80 million people are going to watch. But we need about 5 million of y'all to tune into the Daytona 500 coming up next Sunday. In order to do that, it seems like the perfect way to do it would be to have the Daytona Speed Weeks as we used to. But let's go ahead and not argue that here tonight. Let's open the diamond up. Let's find another place in another huge market where NASCAR can basically advertise themselves in between the Super Bowl at a place that would hold this style of event. Now, we have the Dirt in December. Um, it's You know, if you don't know what the Dirt in December is, it's where the late model cars and modifieds go up and race at the Dome in St. Louis. It's a cool race. It's a quarter-mile track, just similar to what we've seen uh, at the Coliseum. It's indoors. It's um, indoors. It's it's at the dome in St. Louis, so it's not a retractable roof, but let's keep that in an open mind. Taz Taylor, if you were to pick anywhere on the map to go in a big market that you think would entice fans who would typically not go to a race or be a part of the race car culture, where would you point to the map where you would go to try to lure in the next new race fans? In a all right, dome. dome stadium type setting.
1: All right, so, uh, well, where I was going with it was not a dome stadium type of setting. I, it doesn't have to be, Taz. Uh-huh. It
0: doesn't have to be. I'm just throwing okay. that out there. I want you to be creative here. Okay. What your thoughts are.
1: All right, so, so I have a, so I have, actually, now that I think about it, I have two options. One is a not dome stadium type of thing. And two, and the, and the other option is a stadium dome type of deal. Um, so for me, if I, for me personally, I would go with option number one. Um, I'll keep that on the, I'll say that later. Cause I want to explain option number two first. My option number two would be, now, keep in mind, I am thinking, how can I help save teams on travel costs? Um, Because I feel like going from the East Coast, where East Coast, Carolina's primarily, are where most of these race teams are um, starting their journeys from. So you have to think they have to go from east coast all the way to the west coast to LA and then have to go back to the east coast because they have to go back to their home bases before they go travel down south to Florida for Daytona. After Daytona a week prior, they're back on the west side of the country. So at that point, you're not really saving teams financially any money Mm -hmm. traveling-wise. So – how can I eliminate that? Simple. We stay on the East Coast. My option number two, which was a stadium dome option, would be going to and going to a big NASCAR market already and expand upon it, and you can also do cross promotion with the NFL. You're going to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. What?
0: I, I like your way of thinking. There's already a market there. You don't have to go far from Charlotte. That seems like it was well thought out as Taylor. I'll give you that one. Now, let's go to option one no. real quick. That's a, option was, one? I mean, look. Mercedes is a state of the art facility and can handle a whole lot. It's got a retractable roof, so it doesn't matter if it's raining. The best thing to do is probably uh, keep it half open. Now, whether or not they could get a track built there in time, especially based off of if the Falcons made the playoffs, that's a question. But we're not here to answer that kind of shit right now. What we want to what we want and, to make sure is
1: and also, Chris, you. Also think of the time we're in right now. NASCAR is trying to think of going electric, right? Mercedes, right. I think, kind of falls into that electric car type of deal. So in a way, I feel like this could be a door opener for NASCAR if they're looking for, say, another manufacturer to pop in with the next gen or if NASCAR, you know, gets running with the electric car deal. Mercedes would open the door for that, so there's a so you're doing cross promotion plus window of opportunities here. No, I like it. Now like my it. option number one. Now for my option number one. Um, it's in a big NASCAR market again. Um. You're still on the East Coast. You are saving probably nine, at least 90% of the team's financial costs for traveling because they're not really going that far. And that, my friend, is the resurrected, pretty much newly repaved North Wilkesboro Speedway. Oh, still going to be the All Star, and you don't. You never know. No, 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 That's where I'm going to pause you. That's where I'm going to pause you because, because Chris, if NASCAR can work out a deal with the L.A. Coliseum for say a long-term deal, I would say put the All Star race at the L.A. Coliseum. I want to see bumpers banging, doors going side-by-side, side, drivers' right. temper slaring when there's a big old fat $1 million paycheck on the line versus right. a clash that doesn't really matter. Right. So you're saying I would switch rather, them up? Yes. Okay.
0: No, no, I can I can go with that. I I can I can see this, but the weather would be a major factor in the North Carolina area uh, for the, of course, uh, February event, and that would be something that uh, would have to be taken into consideration. task but mine uh, originally, of course, this is what it, if I was dreaming today that the clash was in March and not February. Then I would dream for the clash to be at Yankee Stadium. Unfortunately, I have to come into what? Uh, an agreement that February is not necessarily the best month. Well, look at the market. Look at the market that Yankee Stadium – just think about a race being in Yankee Stadium. It's the house that Ruth built. Chris, it's the house that Aaron Judge what, is building. Um,
1: Chris, can I, can I ask you something? What – were you drinking or what were you smoking when you thought of this? Because February and up northeast does not mix very well.
0: I'll tell, tell in, you my second choice.
1: We get four seasons let in me one tell week. You my second choice,
0: <laughs> which I, I, I said in a in a dream world, I would like Yankee Stadium. But let's get back to reality. MetLife Stadium. MetLife Stadium. Why? Because you're still in the big market. You have two major football teams that have played in that stadium. Uh, it's 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 iconic on the Jersey Shore. It I mean, it literally is the geographic. It's in the perfect geographic zone to pull fans from Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Vermont, I mean, anywhere in the northeastern region to come into that race. Now, my third, actually second choice, would be far out in left field, but why the hell don't we have a racetrack in Hawaii? Let's go to Hawaii. Let's go to where they play the Pro Bowl, where they used to go play the Pro Bowl. Let's build a track there. Let's ship all the cars overseas because, hell, there's nothing better than watching a uh, 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 sandy beach on a small island with race cars that have never been there before, right? Uh, let's go to a land that we've never been in before. Let's go to Hawaii. Let's get uh, the Samoans and all the hawaiians on board uh and and create a new fan base uh within the uh most beautiful islands in the united states um it's not a perfect world it'll probably never happen but at the same time how cool would it be instead of sending our cars to brazil or australia or japan let's send them let's send them to america let's send them to hawaii so metlife or hawaii would be my two places of choice if I
1: could dictate
0: where and when the clash could be
1: run. As, as much as I want to get behind your Yankee stadium and your MetLife stadium ideas, I hate to tell you around February, March timeframe in the Northeast with into a stadium that has no roof. Mind you is not the best. Um, And I know, and I know this is going to come back on this, like, oh, WWE had WrestleMania at MetLife Stadium. Well, when they had WrestleMania, it it was more of a decent, you know, we're kind of out of winter into early spring type of weather. Um, When the clash is being held, with where the clash is being held, unfortunately, up here in the Northeast, especially in New York, well, specifically New York City, New Jersey metropolitan area. That kind of weather does not go over very well. I mean, like I said, uh, we yeah. like to experience. You are, you're right. We experience. I'd... We experience four seasons in a week. More nine times out of ten. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can we can experience that in one day, my friend, here in Mississippi. So I guess, all in all, since I didn't really think about MetLife not having a retractable roof, I'll put that out there. I did. I, I messed up on that one. I guess, I guess let's just send them on home to the Dallas Cowboys and let old Jerry Jones get one more thing that he can see in this great big old Taj Mahal of Cowboys stadium. I mean, Texas does but
1: have Texas, a NASCAR market. Texas, because you have the Texas Motor Speedway, and you have uh, Circuit of the Americas, and Circuit of the Americas not only has an NASCAR, but Formula One, um, IndyCar, I think, th- goes there too, or at least they used to. You have a biscuit. Where, in Texas? Yeah, Circuit of the Americas. I know I know. Indy, I think IndyCar oh, yeah, yeah, does yeah, 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 Texas yeah. Motor but I'm not sure about 34. I'm not sure about circuit
0: aircraft. No, they don't do they do not do. Uh that's just uh Formula One and Nascar that will go there. But NASCAR's tore up the track so bad I believe Formula One doesn't want to go there anymore.
1: <laughs> uh so we've,
0: we've covered a lot about the class Taylor. We gotta move on. Uh we're we're you know, pressed on time, um let's uh let's talk about Denny Hamlin. let's talk about Denny Hamlin's um you know uh, quick win. obviously, I don't know if you watched the Netflix series, but a lot of that Netflix series uh um, kind of portrayed uh, Denny Hamlin as a villain um, obviously after winning the race, he was uh, you know faced with cheers, and then immediately thereafter booze and I'm not talking about booze to drink. I'm talking about booze like Kyle bush booze um Denny Hamlin wearing the black hat um, how does that uh, how does that work for him? Obviously, we said last week that uh in an argument that basically uh you know the villain is the guy who everybody should really like, like Denny Hamlin is from north carolina he's a he's a Virginia boy i believe um so he's an Appalachian guy he's uh Um, You know, obviously one of the hardest workers in in NASCAR. He's got 50-plus wins, which is, you know, I mean, there's very few people on the list once you get to 50, right? Uh, That list gets very small on who's in front of him. I think he's probably in the top 10 or so uh,
1: in wins.
0: Um, He's, uh, like Mark Martin, he's never won a championship. Now, Mark Martin never won a Daytona 500 either, Denny Hamlin's got three Daytona five hundred champions championship rings in his uh on his hand. Um, you know, at what point did Denny Hamlin become the villain? Taz Taylor, because obviously with the booze, he is today's villain.
1: So I think I know the primary reason why he became the villain and this is why i said last week he became the villain for the wrong reasons um i it's something to go back on denny's personal life um something <laughs> to do with i think something to do with like him cheating thinking? on <laughs> yeah yeah yes yeah. 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 i think that <laughs> i think that's where it all started and and like i said like I get on a personal level um, why people would hate them, but I feel like when you go to the racetrack and you want to boo a driver, you want to boo them be- for the right reasons, not the wrong. And like I said, I want to boo for I want to boo a driver not because of their personal life or whatever. I want to boo a driver because I can't stand seeing them or. I hate to be, or like, I'm a fan of this guy, but he lets me down every single time, um, and I, I I know that kind of scratches heads a little bit because I know fans are are fans of drivers kind of like um like Minnesota like say for NFL um I heard this reference last week on a podcast on YouTube um be a Minnesota Vikings fan where, you know, you have high hopes, high expectations, and they always end up letting you down. Um, and they com- compared the Minnesota Vikings to Alex Bowman in a way, because Alex Bowman is kind of like that. But I just feel like Denny Hamlin, but I feel like Bowman has so many years left that I don't feel like Bowman is a great comparison to that. I feel like Denny Hamlin is the best comparison. I mean, at this point, if we're comparing Denny Hamlin to any, say, like, sports team or sports franchise, um, we can go to basically today's day and age. I would say Denny Hamlin in comparison is a great comparison to today's day and age, modern era Dallas Cowboys. They always sit, come, sit there and say, oh, this is our year. This is our year. This is our year. And When push comes to shove, when things really matter most, it's where the choke starts happening. And fans Brian are let down. Taylor
0: just compare Denny Hamlin's career to, to the Dallas Cowboys, who are – uh, by definition, America's team, and they haven't even won but two playoff games, uh, three playoff games since 1993, their last championship. So basically, if Denny Hamlin, what Taz Taylor has just said is, if Denny Hamlin was a franchise, if he was like any other ball club, uh, he, he would be most like um, uh, uh, he would be he would be most like. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. How, how fitting is that? That's beautiful.
1: Oh, I, I, I heard that reference, and I sat back and I looked at it, and I'm like, it's so true because, as you mentioned, Chris, since 1993, what have the Dallas Cowboys done? Have they made the playoffs for a few years, but have they gone anywhere? No. Who is pretty much like that? Denny Hamlin. I mean, I will say this, Denny Hamlin in recent years, has done something that the Dallas Cowboys have not in recent years, and that's make it to the championship finale. But, again, I mean, I don't – to me, I feel like this is – I feel like Denny Hamlin is just one of those, like, hated drivers, I think because of that reason. Um, He just has that charisma, um – that pretty much let down of this is our year, this is our year, this is our year. Everyone gives them great reports all season long. Now, when it comes time for Crunch to move on to the championship, to get that championship crown, that's where the choke starts coming in. And I think at this point, fans are pretty much kind of sick and tired of it. So, I mean, at that point, you, I can understand why you want to hate him. You want to, Why you want to boo him. However, I'm going to backtrack this one here, Chris. Because if we look at the last two years that the L.A. clash at the or the clash at the Coliseum has happened, the winner of that race has either won the Cup Series Championship or won the regular season championship. Joey Logano won the first L.A. Coliseum clash and went on to win the Cup Series Championship. Martin Drex won the... Class last year at the Coliseum, won the regular season championship. If we can follow conspiracy theory, which one of the two championships will Denny Hamlin snag? I mean, yeah. at this point, I'm, i I'm fairly, At this point, I fair I pretty much feel confident that he'll win the regular season championship. But if he doesn't win that, then he's got to keep going with getting this Cup Series championship that's starting to look like it ain't happening.
0: All chips need to be on board at JGR to make sure that Denny Hamlin does not leave that organization without a championship. And, you know, um, it is. It's, it's, it's an hourglass that's running out of time, running out of sand. Um, you know, eventually uh, Denny's going to either have to make a move or his seat's going to be, you know, his seat's going to run out. I mean, that's just the way that racing is. Um, the only way that he will dictate his own retirement is if he has those arrangements made beforehand, and he does. He has twenty three eleven. Whether or not we ever see Denny Hamlin race for that race team, it's you know it's it, it could be it could happen, right? It could happen. Um, is it likely to happen? I don't think so. I think it's likely that he retires as a JGR driver um, because I just don't really expect to see him go beyond another three year period. So uh, we could see him definitely as. First of all, Denny Hamlin has never been the, the head honcho at the shop, right? He's always been, you know, behind the Kyle Bush or behind, um, you know, uh, basically Kyle Bush, but there's been other lead drivers there. So Denny Hamlin's kind of spent most of his career in the shadow. He will relish the fact that he is kind of the head honcho there at uh, JGR Racing, and I think that that will give him another two to three years on his contract. Now, he's got that small window to accomplish what he's not been able uh, to do as of now. Now that we're talking about seats and all, I, I would like to transition into you know a major topic going into 2024, and that's of course silly season. And we don't we don't start silly season at Race Chat Live in September. We don't start silly season talk at Race Chat Live in July.
1: We don't
0: start silly season talk uh, in in May. We start silly season talk right now, Taz Taylor. There's a few drivers that need to put up or shut up, and uh, I believe one of those drivers would be Austin Cedric. I believe another one of those drivers would probably be uh, Harrison Burton. I believe Todd Gillian may be on that list as well. Um, Taz, let's let's kind of dive into that real quick. Who, uh, but even if you know it's the names I've already mentioned, who do you believe? is on the hottest seat right now, uh in in, in NASCAR and tell me the reason why
1: so um, personally um so I'm kind of looking over the team driver list or whatever um and the first one that came up was Hendrick Motorsports. Um I think three out of the four in my personal opinion, are guaranteed safe. Um, the fourth one, to me, in my opinion, I don't think is is safe. I mean, I think what's keeping him is sponsorship dollars, um, that driver being Alex Bowman. If I were Hendrick, I would be concerned in the sense of, can you stay healthy for a full season? I mean, if you look back on it in the last couple of years, he – well, actually, look back last year. He had – he raced a sprint car and uh, broke part of his back and had to miss out some races. Um, I think not in – I don't think 2022, but in 2021, I think he had something happen um, to miss – a race or two. So my concern would for that team, honestly would be Alex Bowman. If I were him, I would say this is for me, if for me, I would say Alex Bowman is on the hot seat. Do I think he's the hottest seat right now? No. Um, I would say Austin Dillon out of the RCR camp, but he's got grandpa's money and everything else. So that's never going to happen. Uh. I feel like, uh, looking at the current drivers list, I feel like I feel like Harrison Burton probably is, and if it's not him, that's on the hottest seat of them all. Um, I would say it's going to be either. Todd Gilliland or Daniel Suarez. And I know Chris shocked on I I know amigo, you're shocked on Suarez. Mi
0: amigo. Andale, andale, andale. No, 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 amigo.
1: I, I, I know you're shocked on Suarez, but this is why I say Suarez. Look at what Trackhouse has done in the off season. They signed Shane Van Gisbergen. Um to a special contract where basically he's running whatever races um, he is with Trackhouse. He's under contract with Trackhouse. He's going to run trucks, Xfinity, and select Cup races. Um, originally, not on a full-time schedule, up until uh, Trackhouse and Colleg worked worked out a deal where SVG is running full-time for Colleg in the Xfinity Series. Um, and then so you have that going for you then you also have what Trackhouse has also done they also pulled in a driver who's out on loan um, for those of you sports terminology people that understand this um, who's out on loan he's under contract with Trackhouse but he's out on loan with Spire Motorsports and that's Zane Smith so to me, I feel like Suarez is kind of on the hot seat because you have two hungry drivers um, trying to, that are under contract with the same team, but they're on loan somewhere else um, because Trackhouse doesn't really have um, another car to fill the seat or Trackhouse racing themselves. So I feel like Suarez is kind of on that hot seat there. Dillowland I feel like is on the hot seat too being that I mean if you look at it um what was it, last year or the year before where he raced or after like two or three races, um, front row of motorsports told him, Look, you don't have the full finances to run um to run the full season. We're cutting you back by, like, eight races. And who took that nod? Zane Smith, a Front Row Motorsports development driver. Or truck series driver, I should say. So this is kind of where I feel like Gilliland's kind of on a hot seat. But I think Suarez is more on a hotter seat because Gilliland – he only has, to me, Gilliland only has one driver to worry about. If Front Row keeps with um, keeps with their own drivers, and Front Row's newest Truck Series driver, I don't think he will not be fully ready for Cup. He won't even come close, unless he has like a star-studded year in Truck Series. It ain't gonna happen. So I have to look at it that way, in terms of where what do teams have for development drivers or possible openings? And I feel like Trackhouse is that one team that has drivers ready to go or ready to come up, but you have no room to put them. And when you do have ready have room to put them, they're going to replace somebody. And I think Suarez fits that fits that jello mold.
0: And, and and if I were to pick one task, Taylor, I would have to go. You know, you blew me out of the water. I figured you would go with Alex Bowman. I really did, uh, based off the previous history that we've had with Alex Bowman and how we've talked about him. And we've always known that he's kind of the odd man out At Hendrick Motorsports, knowing that his contract year is up at the end of the season, I feel like probably Alex Bowman would have been the one that, that you chose. But the Daniel Suarez makes a lot of sense because, let me tell you something, Jack House was making moves, and you're either – on the bus, or you're uh, you're, you're getting left. And uh, if Daniel Suarez doesn't piece together uh, some solid finishes, definitely there are some names knocking on the door to get into that uh, to get into that facility there at Trackhouse. Now, I feel like if you're in the legendary uh, uh, camp of Penske Racing, and you're not only in that legendary camp, but you're also in the legendary seat of the two car and you're not performing, they're going to have to make a move fast. And so Austin Cendrick is the man on the board for me right now because Austin Cendrick has done absolutely nothing since winning the Daytona 500. Um, As a matter of fact, last season was partially dismal throughout the whole year. Now, this is a guy that we thought would be wonderful at road course races uh, and really has just not been able to piece much together in that number two ride. Number two is Penske's main Car that is the fixture of Penske Racing uh, is that number two machine. Um, where Austin cendrick sits today, he's going to really have to pick up the pace if he expects to be Penske material. I mean, you know, we'll get <laughs> how about pulling out an old Seinfeld res- uh, reference? Are you Penske material? You know, um, I'm just not sure. <laughs> Only some my older fans will kind of get the Seinfeld I- reference there, but. Uh,
1: I like I like where you're going with this I like where you were heading with the Cyndric deal. It's just I know my mindset was pretty much like, all right, let's look at like I thought of it as like a major league, minor league type system. ML let's say major league baseball or NBA or the best prime examples. Um and I know um uh, MLS soccer does kind of the same thing. You have a player like, I know baseball, I'm not the best with player names, so I'm just going to throw out a name like uh, Derek Jeter, for example. Say if he was still playing for the New York Yankees. You know Derek Jeter is the caliber player that will play in the Yankees roster anytime, any day of the week. However, say if he gets injured or... Um, something happens where he goes on loan um, or or he need or Yankees say, look, we want you to be healthy and come play with us, but for your best development or on your road to recovery, um, we're going to loan you to another team, uh, do your rehab system type deal. And that's where I kind of had to go with this. Penske doesn't have that. They don't have a. They don't have an Xfinity team. They don't have a truck team uh, to fall with, and I know Trackhouse does not have that either. But with the deals Trackhouse has made, um, it they pretty much uh, saw it as like, well, we don't we don't have an Xfinity. We don't have a truck team. Oh, we'll work with people that may have a seat we'll put our drivers with them and we'll do some kind of partnership. And that's where, uh, Crackhouse worked out a deal with Spire and colleague to send their development right. drivers in a spot to, um, I guess you could say in this case, do their rehab system or their development assignment. Well, you
0: know, and, and, uh, uh, Austin Sendrick, uh, of course, his father, Tom Sendrick, runs the IndyCar side of operations. I think he's the president of operations <clears throat> there at Penske Racing. And similar to Cole uh, Custer, you know, there's family in the house, but we've seen quickly, Stuart Haas Racing, that's not what saved Cole Custer. Cole Custer still got sent back to the minors, um, in that reference. Um, but, uh, you know, Austin Cendrick definitely has to put his uh, put forward because there's going to be a lot of names out there that are going to hit free agency and uh, wouldn't be surprised if uh, some of these deals weren't already cooked up or ready to sign uh, you know, as soon as uh, they're able to. Obviously, there's only a couple of agencies that run NASCAR, and I'm sure that they work feverishly together to make sure that all the ducks are in a row for the moment that they are able uh, to ink deals. Whether or not um, those are uh, tampering situations or not, I'm not really sure how any of that is guarded being that there is absolutely no union in nascar so i guess tampering um can be um, argued in the court of law probably um it's nothing wrong with two people sitting down asking where, where where we can go with this uh so uh basically um that number two machine being the house car at penske i feel like you know somebody's uh gotta gotta make that move and and i'm not sure if that's a rookie at this point in time. If Austin Cindric doesn't work out, I believe uh, that they would probably bring in a, a driver uh, from another organization, possibly an Alex Bowman, uh, possibly a Eric Jones-type uh, driver. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how Penske does that. There's no mediocrity at Penske that is uh, the one thing that uh Roger Pensky's always done is make sure he's got the best of the talent. So I'm not I just don't see them holding to make a move on Cindrick just because his daddy works at the facility. They you know, whether or not they send him over to Wood Brothers to give him a second chance if Harrison Burton doesn't work out or whatnot. Harrison Burton, another, you know, guy on the radar there. Um, is he cup material? Is he Penske material? I don't really think so But there again, I would have argued Ryan Blaney before Talladega in October I mean, literally, the day of Talladega on, Sitting in the bleachers, I said to my wife This guy, Ryan Blaney, he really pisses me off Because they, he, they treat him like he's a damn superstar And he ain't ever won anything And then the guy goes off in this magnificent run And uh, wins the championship So, you know, I have a way of open mouth and start foot with that now Ryan Blaney's not going to have to worry about his his ride neither with Joey Logano. Um, eventually Penske will probably uh, move on from one of these guys. It would probably be Joey Logano next. But right now we just want to rebuild Penske back to the powerhouse that it is. And I don't believe Austin Sendrick's name on the side of that hauler is uh, is going to be there if we don't see a change very soon in uh, his um, style of racing. We have to see an improvement there. Um. Yeah, you know, that's kind of uh, where we are at, Ted Taylor. I, I'm not sure if there's uh, something that we've left, uh, a topic that may, we may have skipped over. Of course, Kevin Harvick um, has announced his return to full-time competition uh, in the CARS series. So uh, Kevin Harvick in the booth. I think he did a great job. What, what do you think uh, after uh, with him and Clint Boyer in the booth? Uh, together with Mike Joy, that's gonna be our crew. Um personally
1: good? I thought Harvick did pretty well. Um I think with Harvick having the limited cast um stuff that he's done with like throughout like the Xfinity series races and stuff like that in the last few years. Um, oh, yeah. helped him prep for this kind of role he's stepping into now on a full-time basis. Um, the one thing I do like, I think Kevin Harvick, as like him as the third person. Um, I like him better than Jeff Gordon, in my opinion, because I felt like Jeff Gordon was kind of more bland. Um, and I'm not saying I, didn't, I don't like Jeff Gordon entirely. I just thought Jeff Gordon as a broadcaster was kind of more bland. Yeah, he had the um, mentality and the knowledge of race cars and how they work and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And he sat off of Mike Joy relatively well. Uh, if there was a third person that had like that sense of humor, like that DW, uh, colorful flavor, I guess you can say. Um, Jeff Gordon didn't really make that connection very well. He tried. Um, I just don't think it worked out well. With and then when Clint Boyer came in to be that colorful guy, you know, it um, to kind of I guess you can say replace um, okay, Harvick I mean... or not Harvick replace D.W. Um, it worked, but having Boyer in. Joy just didn't really mesh. So they needed a permanent middle guy and Harvick was the perfect guy. Um, or I think he is the perfect guy. He knows when to be serious and connect with Mike Joy with the lead commentator, um, But he can also connect uh, very well and thoroughly with the colorful aspect with Clint Boyer. Um, and also Harvick is a perfect guy to have in there too with the next gen cars. Harvick has ran the next gen cars not only for two seasons though. He knows these cars more than Clint Boyer or when they brought in a special guest person like Tony Stewart or uh, Danica Patrick or Kenny Wallace, you know? Um, right. So I feel like Harvick, I feel like Harvick Fox nailed the broadcast team um, on the dot. And I can't, I feel like Fox Broadcasting, um, when it comes to camera angles and camera work, that still has some work there. But um, in terms of the commentary team, uh, they got it. I think they nailed it.
0: All right. Well, uh, we're going to end it with this last question. It's pretty simple. Um, Of course, poll qualifying, I think, will be up on possibly Tuesday. That would be the day. I haven't really looked at the schedule yet. Um, but uh, I do believe um, that uh, they will be running qualifying before we come back.
1: Uh, who is
0: your early favorite? Will Hendricks, I guess the question is, will Hendricks score another poll for the Daytona 500? I think this is five, six years in a row. I don't
1: know. Huh. I wouldn't be surprised if Hendrick is on the front row some way, shape, or form, but... Um, I just don't know what, or what's the driver's storyline. Let's put it that way. Hendrick, yeah, has that, but who else does? Um, I don't think there's really one that sticks out like a sore thumb, like in years past. right.
0: Well, I think the Fords are going to give them a run for their money. Obviously, the new design noses, but you know Toyota has showed up in numbers. Um, could we see a swing for the fences? Could we see a real trimmed down race team? No team out there is better at trimming things down than a lower budget race team, right? Because they ain't got all the stuff to put on there anyway. Uh, so maybe uh, we will see possibly a legacy uh, front front row starter, uh, possibly an Eric Jones or. It could be John Hunter Nemechek even, or maybe Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Who would like to see Jimmy Johnson on the pole for the Daytona 500? I think that would be cooler than just about any other uh, possibilities that could happen. Now, hey, I love it because we're going to roll into race week, and the impossibles happen, quite honestly. They happen often at Daytona uh, or a place like that. So, you know, we've got to gear in, put our seatbelts on, put our goggles on, and, uh, and, and hope for the uh, uh, an entertaining event. Um, but the likelihood that Hendrick comes out and sits on the pole again when you got drivers like Kyle Larson, William Byron, and Chase Elliott, uh, along with Alex Bowman, um, especially Alex Bowman. Bowman is really good at uh, uh, super speedway. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm ready to see another uh, team on that top spot. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll have to run qualifying to find out. We'll be able to make our picks next week, Taz Taylor. Of course, uh, we'll have all the stuff ironed out for the uh, uh, for the, um, the the game that we play here uh, and whatnot. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, anything else before we close, Taz Taylor? Did we miss anything?
1: No, I don't think we did. And to touch on the part with the pool, Um, be on the lookout for the rest of the week as long as I don't get put in Facebook jail like the nonsense last week for stupid reasons, but um, yeah, look out for that in the next, I would say starting tomorrow, uh, we'll be pushing for newer people. I think of the 14 we had last year, I think 12 are returning. Um, But yeah, I know there's new recruits knocking on the door to come in. So, um, yeah, we'll look forward to that. And I think we're good to sign off here, Chris. All right,
0: man. Well, uh, race fans, we want to thank you guys uh, for giving us the time here tonight. Of course, we went over just a few minutes. They're not too bad, but we did, uh, uh, you know, go over just a tad bit. But, um, you know, the biggest thing, Taylor, is, uh, is uh, you know, checking out um, – the podcast, you can not only just find Race Chat Live there on the podcast, but you can find other shows such as the 110 Nation Sports Show, obviously The Closer, which is a new show that's been added here to the network, Race Chat Live on Tuesday nights. The Closer airs on Sunday nights. Uh, the 110 Nation Sports Show airs on Monday nights. And we will be bringing back uh, the, the Wednesday uh, Chris. racing show. Wednesday, yeah, but I'm trying to take the racing for success uh, with Jared Hudson. So uh, looking forward uh, to having them back on the menu as well. Uh, you can find our show on many, many different platforms, including YouTube, as long as we don't have any um, infractions from me playing idiot music that, uh, that has copyrights in it. Uh, you can also find us on iHeartRadio. Uh, of course, uh, Apple Podcast, my favorite, Spotify. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on uh, Google Podcasts. So, if basically if they make a podcast platform, we are probably on it. Speaker is Spreaker, I believe is what it's called, as well. So uh, you can find us just about anywhere. Look up Race Chat Live, and you should be able to uh, be able to access our shows. Of course, you can listen to us uh, live as we broadcast on tuesday night Uh, but that's up to you guys of course we want you to listen to it and you can find our shorts throughout the week thank you mr cj sports uh for coming up with our shorts of course those shorts are just tidbits uh pieces broken off from the show put into another platform Uh, style so that uh, you don't have to listen to the whole show. You can just find some of the funny parts throughout the show. I guarantee you, we will make you laugh at least once or twice every Tuesday night here on Race Chat Live. We try to do it. We try to be suspenseful. We try to keep uh, things rolling. We try to uh, bring a a, a new attitude to the style of racing that we have. Um, So uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. And uh, Taz Taylor, I guess uh, we'll let you end it.
1: All right, folks, thank you for listening along to Race Chat Live here on Tuesday night. Make sure to tune in next Tuesday night as we preview uh, the Daytona 500 Speed Weeks, um, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, is when we start live. Um, as Chris said, make sure you follow us, or if you don't listen to us live, check us out on our YouTube channel, the 110 Nation Sports YouTube channel, or check us out on any forms of podcasts like uh Spotify, Apple Podcasts and stuff like that. Um, again, tune in next Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And this has been the caution flag of Racing Radio, Chris Crane. I'm the Tasmanian Devil Flaggers, Taz Taylor, saying goodnight. We'll see you all next week. Good night. Okay.